IntelliKey Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureintellikey.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, where Kirsten Gouldy and I love to talk about folks that are on a journey to reach their highest potential. And Kirsten, what are some of your takeaways from our conversation? Hmm. The word that's coming up for me right now is passion. Maybe it's because of the interview we're about to have, but that passion for life, you know, the joy de vie, that rolls inside of everybody. How do you even find that? How do you begin to make that happen and then let alone with another person, right? Mm -hmm. So one for yourself, but then two, you know, how do you have that joy for life, that zest for life in the middle of it? So, you know, as we're exploring potential, we're also hearing stories of how people have done it, what wakes them up in the morning, what lights them up, what keeps them going, how do you keep, right? Because potential is, like our guests are going to explain, is not easy. That's really what I'm present to at the moment. Oh, that's terrific. And I think that's the kind of stories we love to share on the podcast. And as Kirsten was saying, we're just so happy today to have Sarah and Matthew with us. They call themselves the interracial couple, and we're definitely going to be delving into that. But if you're already thinking, wow, that's a provocative name. I wonder where that takes me. Well, go to the YouTube channel, the interracial couple, and you'll just be uh, delighted to hear some of those stories. Sarah, welcome. And Matthew, welcome to our show. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's so good. Well, Sarah was born in Kenya, came to study in the States and graduated from UCLA with a degree in international development, entrepreneurship, which you're already making an impact with just that kind of study. She founded an organization called Ecodunia. It's a social enterprise that really makes a difference in the lives of poor people, creating work opportunities and educating girls in underprivileged communities. Sarah, what inspired that passion within you to pursue that kind of work? So for me is, um, I was one of those people who I really didn't think I was going to graduate uh, high school. Um, my mother, um, I'm the first person in my family to get a college education and my mother can't uh, read. And so I promised myself that when I came to the US, I had the opportunity to come to the US and go through community college and go through and get into UCLA. I promised myself that when I got that degree, I was going to use my degree for something that was bigger than just myself, that I was going to use that same education that I was being given and offered. I was going to make sure that I helped someone else get that education. So once I graduated, it was really clear for me. So all my friends were at UCLA were looking for jobs. And I really knew that I could not go and work for a company and make a lot of money if that if I if my pay wasn't impacting my community. So once I graduated, I asked my partner Matthew when we first met. I was like, um, it was three years into before graduation. I was like, Matthew, um, I really like you, but just so you know, this was first date. <laughs> just so you know, in three years. I am moving back to Kenya when I graduate. So if you wanna, if you wanna keep, if you wanna have a second date, uh, do you wanna move to Kenya with me? <laughs> um, and that, yeah, graduation came and we 
packed up our bags, sold the few things that I owned. Matthew is had more things than I did. And we moved to Kenya. So that's the journey of how EcoDunia started. And also having studied development, I knew that I wanted, I just didn't want to start something that wasn't informed by my community. I knew that I wanted to go back to my community and see what's really needed. Like what kind of business could, how could I impact my family? I just didn't want to be that person who comes like, now I have an education. I know better. I wanted to go live in the land, live in the, live back in the village and see how can I be of service? And so we just moved back and lived in Kenya for two years. Well, Matthew, let's bring you into the conversation then. Matthew is a writer, a filmmaker, just a good all-around creative guy. For 20 years, he's been making feature films and documentaries, working with a whole list of A-list actors and filmmakers. Your documentary, Hardball, The Girls of Summer, was released last year, picking up on Sarah's story. So you had a nice first date. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, the Matthew side of the first yeah, date. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it, it was uh, it was pretty much it was very very similar to that. It was basically that you know very early on it was would you be willing to move to Kenya with me? Uh, and the timing within my life was it was just perfect. And I I knew that around that period in my life I was going to go do something crazy, and everyone was going to tell me it was a midlife crisis. But it really wasn't that. It was that I had known for you know for a long time that that was that there was going to be something like that in my life. I thought I was going to be riding my bicycle around the world. And when she was like, "Well, how long is that going to take?" and I said, "Oh, a couple of years." So, well, you mean we'd be apart for a couple of years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess probably a long time. Maybe, maybe just go to Kenya and I'll ride you know, <laughs> South America, and then I'll take a boat to the, uh, to the Cape and then come back up the East coast of Africa and I'll meet you there. And she said, oh, okay, that, that's a good compromise. Wait, how long is that going to take? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's only a year. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, as you mentioned, I've been a, a filmmaker for a long time and, you know, being in the creative field as a, as an independent creative, as it were, and that's not to say there weren't stints in, you know, with a small studio and, and such, but, you know, the independent uh, creative or artist life is in some ways, there's like this feeling that you always have to be on in some way. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that you don't turn off or just get overwhelmed or say, you know, I'm gonna, I, I need to kind of check out or I'm not going to have any creative output for any p- particular amount of time. But there is this sort of almost this tension. And I felt that, that I had, I was ready to just kind of let that go and just walk. And so even when we were in Kenya, I walked, I clocked hundreds and hundreds of miles walking. And that was really just a, in some ways a reset. And then I started working on a book while I was there and kind of now in also, it was a real openness to see what was going to come, come next. And there's been a lot of things coming next. It's been a really exciting adventure. That's good. Well, and now as a couple living and running businesses between California and Kenya, how is the bi-continental <laughs> communication and, and business? Well, it did shift quite a bit with COVID, obviously. Um, you know, we were, you know, we thought we would be a little bit more back and forth. And at this point, we're just kind of waiting to see what the world's going to do. Right. Yeah. When uh, COVID started, we were actually living in um, Nakuru, Kenya. That was in March 2020. And my work there just kind of felt that it was coming to an end. We had made the product. I had... I had a team of people where we were just felt like we'd made the product, but now 
we were looking for a market outside of Kenya, um, which pretty much what was like what I saw Kenya had to offer was all these people in that span of two a year and a half we were living there was all these young people who just didn't have work. And so I was like, let's do something. Like, what can you do? And there was also a lot of leather. And so we started making products with uh, organic cotton that grows in the land and leather products. Oh, something just fell. (laughs) And so once we made the products, I was like, now we need to find a market. And then COVID happened and we had made all these beautiful products. And I told Matthew, like, it's time to go back to the US because basically there was, everything was shut down and we got, we came back to the US and Matthew's brother has a cabin and he was like, you guys can stay there while you quarantine. And then I was like, huh, maybe we should just actually not just come because we couldn't really travel with COVID. We should just stay. And so it's just, that's how we moved from Kenya to the US. We were just like, let's just stay until we can actually travel. Mm. You know, and I, you're, both of you are talking and you talked about that human reset right? That need to reset, even in the business. So you had the business where you made a decision, it was time to go back to the States until, and the next phase reveals itself, right? And Matthew, you spoke to that personal reset that needed to occur, that deeper knowing that you have to take care of that for that creative output to rekindle itself, right? Because that flow outward just drains the creative essence. How, where are you in this phase, right? Because I think that's really important, especially for the business world, right? Or moms, people just run themselves to the ground, know they need a reset and don't offer that to themselves. And even in the business, sometimes businesses need a timeout, like you said, right? Like we need a place for product. It's not time yet, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I also, in in the last couple of years, as I, uh, as I knew I was going to be moving and stuff, I actually started doing a lot more work with other creatives who were, who have been, you know, stagnating in some way in their creative work. And it started out, you know, by taking men- mentees and it's evolved into something that I also do uh, with some of my quote unquote free time, uh, which is working with, with creatives who are, who are, are struggling. And one of the things that I've noticed and this works in the business world, in the personal world, in the creative world is I, I really need, uh, to relax, to rest, or I need some, you know, our good R and R time, but I don't feel like I should. So therefore, um, when I turn on Netflix or when I get on my, you know, get on social media, it's, I know I need a break, but I'm not going to allow myself to take a break. So I'm going to kind of half check out. And now you were actually just bombarding ourselves with also then this guilt of, oh my gosh, my business needs work. Uh, my, you know, I said I was going to write a book. I said I was going to make a short film. I said I was going to launch a podcast, a YouTube channel, whatever. And then it doesn't happen. And in part, it's that it's this getting this clarity around what you were just talking about, Kirsten, with this, you know, this ebb and this flow. So if I, I tell people who are wanting to be, spend more time being creative. And when I say creative, that can also mean starting a business or whatever is, if you're just overwhelmed and you're finding that you're turning on Netflix or whatever, make that decision very clearly. I need some 
chill out time. I need to go on a long walk. I need to just take a break and not feel bad about it. You know, and then that can be, re, you know, sitting down and spending a day in bed watching Netflix can be incredibly recharging, but it completely is not if you feel bad about it or think I should be doing this, I should be doing this. You know, and, and actually Sarah dealt with that a couple of weeks ago and did it real. She's better at that for sure. I mean, she is a great person for me to, to work, to emulate and, and learn from because she can do that. And it means that she can hit these real challenging times. Everyone knows who's a creative or a, or a bit or starting a small business or whatever that it's freaking overwhelming often. And so to be able to say, I need this pause, you know, and yeah. you can probably speak to how you deal with that because you do it so well. I think for me is like, I was, if I was going to start an ethical business, it also needed to be more holistic. I don't believe in like the banning of like the way it's preached. There's so many things I like about America, but the one thing I don't really um, believe is that thing. Like I need to work 16 hours. I need to work 14 hours. I need to work until I'm burned out. Um, in order to feel successful. For me, it's like, I am going to be, success is not just having a great business. It also means like I have my mind, you know, I'm taking break. And it also means like my health, my body health, my physical health and my mental health is also really healthy. And so I really take breaks. And I think it's a different way of work where it's like, I want to start, a, if I'm, I want to do business differently. And that means that I really take time to walk and go on hikes in the middle of the day and take naps unapologetically. And if I'm tired or if I don't, if I can't make a decision, I'm just like, I'm just going to go on a walk um, or I'm just going to take a nap. I'm going to meditate. And yeah, maybe it might take me six years to be quote unquote successful. But I think when I get there, I'm going to be successfully physically, mentally, and yeah, and not just make rash decisions. So for me, I've really learned to take care of myself. Um, and I take my care of myself with, yeah, unapologetically. Yeah. And, just... But I think some of that though, too, is also saying, you know, it's okay, it's okay. And B, also knowing that, you know, we, we have this, this little saying that like we each have like a mini meltdown, you know, these little moments of, I'm a failure. I'm terrible. I just, you know, I, I need to go back to, you know, sometimes I'll go through this thing. I, I'm, I'm such a, I'm so bad at all these things I do. I should just go back to tending bar and waiting tables again. And I don't think that that's necessarily like that in and of itself is not a bad thing. I kind of go there and then I, an hour later, I'm okay. I'm fine. Or sometimes a day later and sometimes a week later or whatever it is, but the judging of that also can become problematic. And it's I just also pointing out, particularly for anyone else who's tuning in here, is that Sarah, when you also take those breaks, some it's not that it always comes easy, that you yeah. also struggle with, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do this. Oh yeah, I really needed to go meditate for a half an hour and now I can get back in and do this. Or mm -hmm. I just need to spend a day not getting out of bed and then I'll do it the next day. And you will take these breaks or you will sleep in or you'll do that. But then you'll also realize, oh, I actually have stuff I got to get done. And, you know, after dinner working until midnight. So yeah. it is a, you know, it is a balance, but where, where the weight comes from or how to shift that around 
is can be different at different times. Uh, I see what you're saying. Well, now let's go, I guess, uh, combine these stories into your relationship stories. Both of you have been very transparent in telling a lot of these stories. And I can't help but think as you're talking about how you work and how you take breaks, and we might be having a mental meltdown while you're having a creative spark. We all have that in various relationships in our lives, right? But tell us how you tend to manage that or how you kind of bring it back to you know some sort of level. You know, I- I mean, one of the things is that we are actually very, very, very different. You know, the way we operate is very different where, you know, where we come from are the family patterns that we bring into our lives. Those differences, I think in a different world or at a different time or with less intentionality would have been really difficult to navigate. And, and I see it even coming up sometimes and er, earlier on when we first started living together, there was this thing that Sarah brought sometimes, which was you're expecting me to match what you do in the way that you do it, but that doesn't necessarily work for me. And- Oh, I like you. (laughs) (laughs) Go girl. (laughs) Uh, And that was hard for me. I wanted to be okay. I want to be, you know, I don't, I, I want to be matched. But the matching doesn't mean doing exactly what I do, because if she does exactly what I do, or she does well what I do well, then the other side gets missed. Mm-hmm. You know, I was definitely a push, 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 push person. You know, for me to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to meditate in the middle of the day. No, I, I meditated for much of my life, but certainly not in the middle of the day. The middle of the day is for putting your nose to the grindstone. <laughs> but so those were different things that we bring. So I, one of the things that's just been wonderful is we are so different. And those differences, we've found a way to make those really complementary. And I guess uh, that's all then blossomed into the interracial couple podcasts, YouTube, and some books that you're working on. Why why did you decide? I mean, all of us have these relationship stories. I know my wife tries to match me. Kirsten knows her well. Ha! Uh, (laughs) But but we we don't put our stuff on YouTube. I don't know what, what motivated you, what inspired you, I guess, you know, cause I mean, you're not just the interracial couple, but I mean, there's a multicultural, I mean, you come from different places, literally. Um, but that I guess makes the great stories, but what, what motivated you to start this kind of program? Um, you know, it's kind of funny. We, I just asked Matthew that there was no motivation. I was just like, do you want to do a podcast so that, I can become like I can put my thoughts out and he was like okay sure <laughs> that is how the podcast started and we were spending so much because we both work from home and so we used to work from home even before the pandemic and we spent so much time together and so there was like what can we do together as a couple so we're not just like working on our own businesses but and that's how the podcast was born I would say it was like let's do this thing the one thing that we do for fun together as a couple so it was fun too because uh, as Sarah was saying when we moved back to Kenya there was a a desire also to see what does the community need uh after we'd been there for about a year I I went and and uh, led workshops and for this traveling film program that was going through Kenya for five weeks. 
And I wasn't there the whole time, but we'd go and spend three or four days each week and got, you know, traveled around Kenya. And Sarah came with me as I was helping these young people who wanted to be filmmakers and bring, you know, the reality is, is I have a depth of knowledge and experience in making movies and, and such. So it was really this fun experience to be able to give that back in that way. And there were some really amazing young aspiring filmmakers. And I was trying to find different ways of working with them besides just you know, donating my time or whatever. And so when Sarah brought this up, I said, you know what, let's film it too. Uh, there were some great young people who I met at this thing. We'll see who lives close to us because there were a couple hundred people in this program and most of them were from Kenya. There were people from the, around Africa and a very few from, from other countries, the Middle East, Europe. So I put something out on the, on the WhatsApp group and a bunch, of, a bunch of them raised their hand and one of the kids came up and interviewed. I call him a kid. He's not really a kid, but uh, a young man. He still works for us and he edits the podcast and he edits the video for us. During that program, we shot a short film and he edited the short film and we left a nice Mac computer for him there. Someone who just didn't have the access to have all the software and the equipment and the expertise of someone like me to help guide him. And it's been enormously fruitful. It's just been so much fun. So that was another piece was, oh, you want to do a podcast? Well, let's do this as a slightly bigger production. And there was a period of time where we had a few people working for us. Now we're back in the States. And so it's just one. So there were these other pieces that ended up coming into play as well. Great story. And do these topics, it's almost one of those things that you can binge watch. You know, if you're not careful, I get totally sucked in to the interracial couple YouTubes. And it's like, I have to get back to work now too. <laughs> but, but that was my break. <laughs> but I mean, as far as topics, do you just say, oh, what, what moves us today? Or I love the one. And what did we argue about this morning? Maybe we should make a podcast on that. That's, that's, that's pretty vulnerable. Yeah. yeah, I think our idea was like, let's just free flow what's what's going on with us like there was no planning we just like whatever came from the heart is what we shared and now after a year of doing it it's a little different but for a whole year we just was like let's just show up and be vulnerable and i don't actually i haven't watched any of the youtube videos because i don't like to see myself on camera but i was <laughs> Um, I don't like my, I don't even like to hear the sound of my voice or watch myself. So I was just like, I'm just going to be vulnerable and I'm going to do two years of this. It was a commitment. I'm going to do this for two years, whether I like it or I don't. And I'm just going to show up and be vulnerable on it. And that's what I've been doing is that I've just been showing up and doing it. And I think there's a lot of around relationships too. It's easy to feel vulnerable or like you're alone. I'm a weird one. I was probably about 16 or 17 and I went to a lecture at our school and there was a family therapist who was there. One, he, when he opened up his conversation, he said, you know, I've been a family therapist for 20 years and I, I'm a crystal collector and I have crystals all over my, my desk. And when a new couple comes in and sees me, I tell them, if you're bringing me an issue that I've never heard before, you can choose any one of the crystals off my desk that you want. And I've never gotten rid of a crystal. Right there, these things are so, things that people go through in their relationships are, are very universal or they're common in some way or another. Or in, and even if the specifics of it is very unique, we're obviously all individual. There's nothing that we're going to share that's gonna be shocking 
if we're also willing to be honest with it. And so that was one of the things for us was there's nothing that's going to surprise us here. And if we can put, you know, uh, or other people in the vulnerability. So in some ways, the it can seem vulnerable and at times it has. And only one time did we ever click the off button and say, you know what, this is not working. Mm -hmm. for, for the rest of it, it's, yeah, it's a, uh, it, it becomes a place of discovery. And it's actually through that discovery too, that we said, we're not doing this for any particular purpose. We're going to see what grows out of it. And as you can tell, one of the things that's grown out of it is the way we can share vulnerably and honestly. And this led us actually when last summer, when we found ourselves here back in California, what are we doing? What's going on? And kind of a gift of a little bit of time in some ways, because we had, didn't know what to do exactly with where we were moving or what was happening in the world. And that was the inspiration came for the Lover's Journal was in some ways born out of this work and through work that we've been doing since the very beginning. So yeah, a podcast and a YouTube channel that started as a, let's just give this gift to see what happens. <laughs> And then to now see how it also inspires other things within us and, you know, and questions from others and all that kind of good stuff. So for me, I'm thinking, oh, this could be a great tool in business, right? Like what if you just put people around a table and let them talk for a couple of days and see what happens? Mm -hmm. But have you, during your time together on these podcasts and these discussions, do you find yourself going, oh, wait, I did not know that about you or oh, we need to go dive in deeper now, right? Because it sparks a new thing. How has that supported the evolution of your own growth together? I think for me is like, as I'm sometimes as I was doing the podcast, I say something and I'm like, wait, I tend to be like thinking on the podcast and I'm like, wait, I have a new point of view that I actually didn't have before the podcast. So it's interesting. And sometimes Matthew says something and I'm like, wait, um, you didn't have permission to share that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so it has really helped me that I think no one can say anything. Like I've just let myself be like to that point of like, okay, I don't have anything to hide. Anyone can say anything because sometimes I myself will say something where it's like, because it's not, yeah, well, it's like, oh, I wasn't ready to share that, but it just comes out. As that happens, I'm like, okay, then it's time to share that. Yes, you're right. It, it opens up this, the, there's a space that opens up. And that was also part of our agreement when we first got together was uh, we were both kind of at a place where it was more important to be not liked and find that out early, <laughs> mm. you know? And so there was no sense of, I'm going to try to impress you or you're not going to try to impress me. And that was really, it was so freeing. And there were a few times where there were these moments of, oh boy, this is, this is tough. And whether it was just totally personal or even, you know, there were even sort of, how do you speak sometimes as a white man in, to be totally honest for what I think, and yet also, you know, what if it's offensive? And if I can't speak something, then I also can't make the mistake. And if I can't make the mistake, I can't learn from it. There's and a lot so, in there. Right. And there is so, a lot on that one. Yes. Yes. And I must say, it's so interesting, Sarah, that you don't like to watch yourself on these uh, YouTubes. But even if you had the volume off, I did find in a couple of places where it would be good training for body language research because you don't even need the volume. <laughs> if, if her eyebrows are up, you've just said something that was not clear previously. <laughs> But Matthew, you touched on the fact that this has morphed into a new project, this Lover's Journal. 
that you're beginning to put together as kind of a co-creation or a guide that couples can use. I wonder if you could tell us more about that. Yeah. So the lover's journal is a, is a guided journal for couples to do together. And it's a, you know, it's a 160 pages with prompts and mostly space for, for journaling and quotes and monthly challenges. And I don't know if that was the very beginning of the idea to do the journal because I've journaled a lot on my own. We, when we first got together, Sarah said, we're going to always be reading a book together. And the first book that we happened to pick up also had journaling exercises in it. And so that became this sort of a foundation. And Sarah loves doing monthly challenges with friends. Hey, we're going to run two miles every day, you know, this month. And if you miss one, you have to take everyone out to lunch. And if you miss two, you have to take everyone in the group out for dinner. And it becomes too expensive to not run. So you run. <laughs> um, and so we, we've done these things just together, these, these little sort of fun challenges. And those... I think that might've even been something that was part of the inspiration for the journal, but all of those things kind of came together. You know, we know, as I, as I alluded to earlier in a relationship, there are, there are challenges and those don't have to be a negative thing. Those can actually be a really beautiful and positive thing, but to get there also, there has to be a certain amount of trust and you also have to be in the right mood. If someone has had a long cranky day and, you know, they got pulled over on the way home and their boss yelled at them or whatever, that's not necessarily a good time to bring up a, a relationship challenge you're having, right? So even in the, in the journal to, you know, when we begin, it starts with really some of the funner and lighter things and then brings in some slightly deeper and more challenging questions. And it's something that we've, you know, even though the creation of the journal is brand new, it was just this week, we got our first batch from the printers and they're beautiful and we're super excited about them. And we shipped out like 80 journals the other day, went to the post office with a huge, huge box of packages. The, the work that went in, into those to really finally codify it and bring it together was work that was based on what we've been doing in building our pretty awesome relationship over the last several years. What do you got to say about that, Sarah? <laughs> let's, let's see if the story is different on the other yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. She said. Well, she, did, she didn't give you that look. So yeah. when, you said, <laughs> when you said wonderful, she was just normal. <laughs> All right. So we're good. All right. We're, we're good. So, yeah. so far, so good. Yes. <laughs> but you know, guys, we also on this podcast love to talk about uh, not just tools, but practices, I guess is the better word. And you've mentioned like reading books books in common. You've mentioned meditation, journaling, things like this. What, what other insights could you offer our listeners that does elevate your own consciousness of your relationship? Obviously, we have our own personal growth and development, but, but you're saying in order to grow together, we also want to share some of these practices. Mm, yeah, there's, there's a, quite, a, quite a bit. I think one of, you know, I'm just, just going to start with one uh, practice. And that was actually, we did the landmark forum together after we'd been together for about a year. Well, um, know that well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you've, uh, you're good. Yeah. But, yeah. I went through many, many courses there. So speaking you know, language. <laughs> it's, it was the thing, it was funny because when we went, it was, we went to sort of support a friend at her quote unquote graduation. Right. And Sarah, it was Sarah's best friend. And she said, come with me because they're going to try and get me to sign up. And I'm She'd not. been trying to make me sign up for a while. 
So yep, that's landmark. <laughs> and I wanted, and I and and I love this woman, so I wanted to show up because I it's one of the thing practices is like I really show up for my friends, and so she invited me, and I told Matthew, but I also know she wants me to sign up, so come with me. Cause I know you hate this kind of stuff. Oh, and I, I decided I was never going to, I'd, I'd been sold hard before. And I'm not a big fan mm-hmm. of hard sales. So I was like, this is it fine. You know, you brought a good person with you. <laughs> and of course I immediately just like wrote the check as soon as the, as soon as the, you know, the presentation was over and I looked at Sarah and said, just go do it. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like what, ha- what happened? <laughs> yeah. What happened? I was like, I brought you here so we don't sign up and we leave and we both, and my friend was like, okay. And I was just like, Matthew convinced me. And I was like, dude, this is not why, why you were invited. And so we, we went home and I remember just being annoyed that we had just signed up for this expensive course. I was still a student back then that I really didn't need. And it turned out to be one of the best educations I've ever paid for. I am so grateful that but, you, know, and, you signed up. But the thing that was, you were asking about couples and what they do. One of the things was that when we got, we were driving home and we both had immediate buyer's remorse. What did we do? Sarah was upset because I was supposed to be the strong one to not, you know, get in and I didn't, <laughs> but it was this, I was saying, you know what, the worst case scenario is that it's terrible, but we actually said we're doing it t- together as something to do together. And in that case, because of our intention, it can't be something that's bad. It will only be good because of our intention. So doing these things together like that, that was, we're going to do something specifically to benefit our relationship together. And so we've done a few things and, you know, that one we did together. And then there were other courses and things that we've done separately, but with this intention also that we, we do things together, that we grow together. You know, I grew up in a fairly spiritual community as it were. And at the time I saw there was always so many women and fewer men and as a young person, kind of like listening to the conversations were oftentimes women complaining about their husbands not caring enough about their own growth or development. I think this has changed a lot. I do a lot of men's work now as well and men's groups and things like that. And so I also see the other side of that being the case for sure on the gender side, but that, that a couple doesn't necessarily need to have the same uh, spiritual growth trajectory but each one ought to be on a spiritual growth trajectory in some way or another. Otherwise, one partner is going to outpace the other. It's the vocabulary, the language is going to become so different. Because we, you know, I call it vocabulary. The vocabulary that we use with each other, we actually have to be able to communicate. And if the words that I'm using or the definitions are different from Sarah's, we're going to have a hard time matching that with each other, but by actually reading together, by engaging in life together, even though, like I said, we will read very often. We, we read a lot, but we read different books. It doesn't matter. She has women's groups and her own stuff she's doing. I have a men's group, but I'm involved in there, these things, but we're actually engaging for ourselves, knowing that if I work on myself, that that shows up in my relationship and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Well, I think now that we've come to the obvious question. You are an interracial couple and uh, you've titled yourself that and put it out into the world. But I think we would be remiss if we didn't ask what some of those challenges to your relationship, especially those external pressures that the world puts on you, uh, how have you been able to deal with some of that? 
I think the first thing that we agreed on is that I think Matthew was like, we, I will, I'm always willing to listen. And there was no censoring of like anything between the two of us. Um, that was one. As in like, I, I said things in the past that were offensive or that Sarah took offense to, whether it was offensive or not, right? And there was this one thing actually too, where early on I mentioned like kinky hair and Sarah was like, that does, I don't feel comfortable with that. Right. And what I went to do was I was, because I'm a definitely a people pleaser. I was like, but, but this has got to be okay. Right. And then I went to the internet because that's what one does. Right. That's where all the answers are. That's where all the answers are. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I went and watched YouTube videos and all sorts of stuff about from black women talking about using the word kinky for, for black hair. And it was probably like, there were definitely women who were like, that's not cool. There were some women who said, that's cool, but only if black people say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some, and then some that was like, there's no problem at all. That's what this is. So the fact that anybody gets offended by it is ridiculous, for example, right? So the entire spectrum. And I just had to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what the internet says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you feel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You feel that way. That's easy. I don't have to use, I don't actually have to use that word. And I don't even think it's been an issue since then. And I'm, my guess is that if it came up, it wouldn't be a problem. The issue was how are we going to communicate around this in a way that's respectful, open, and honest that way I can also have a voice in it. I also have a voice. Yeah. I'm a white man, but my experience is also valid, but in areas of race or inequality or other issues around there, you know, I need to listen first, basically. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, there's so many things, like, I feel like in the beginning, when we were say dating, there were like, so like a few things that would come that were race-based, but I think as our relationship has grown is that we just face other couples issues is actually what we deal with more and more. And I, and I don't know, it's that because like we also lived in Kenya, part of most of our, in a totally like black country. And also now we live in California. So I would say that, that I don't want to speak for every other black person and their, their experience, but we live in a really like open community, if, if I can say that. And so we don't get to like face a lot of race issues. Um, but there were moments when like the whole country last year was like, there's so much tension and you do feel the tension and we would have to be like, you'd feel the tension in our own relationship. So it'd be like time out. Like, how is this going to, af- how is this affecting our relationship? And how is this going to affect us when we have kids? So that has been like a conversation that we've have had to have is like, how are you going to be as a white man, um, be a father to black kids, you know? So I'm not, it's not like, it's conversation that it's ongoing. And I, and I think that, and this is a major for all relationships, I'm sure, but particularly where challenges come up or, or in this particular thing was, we don't have to solve the problem. We can allow it to exist and be something that we're discovering with and through. So we can be in a place of a bit of uncertainty and be okay with that. And I, and there's a, obviously a balance. You if you live with too much uncertainty, it becomes very uncomfortable, or you feel like I'm just going to put stuff away and not deal with it. And that becomes something that festers for later. And the other is to say, you know, this is going to be an ongoing conversation. This is going to be an ongoing discovery in our lives. And let's be cool with the fact that we might not fix this today, 
Uh, and actually, when the you know, we were in Kenya when uh, when George Floyd was murdered in Minnesota, you know that was there was this whole period of time where Sarah was really really struggling. And for me, it was like, wait, I can't fix that problem. So I have to find a way to both hold space, allow it to be okay. And that that was definitely a challenge. Um, but it was not a problem to have that challenge. I had to be okay with that. And Sarah had to be okay with also taking the time and the space to be like, this is, this is different for me than it is for you. And I don't know if I can explain it necessarily. And it doesn't actually matter. You have your experience. I'm going to have mine, but just respect mine. And we did, you know, we did a podcast on, I think the day after or something, and it was a really hard podcast. And it's one that actually got on, on, on YouTube had one of the few that had nasty comments, but it was this, wait a second, how, how do I be in this position or how do I be in this place and, and actually just listen to the experience of the other, you know, rather than it needing to be a certain way, or, or I'm so uncomfortable with what's going on, therefore I don't want it to be that way. And so mm -hmm. there's a big part of just acceptance and listening, you know, and timing, obviously, when do we, when, you know, when do we talk about this and in what ways and for how long? And so, yeah. Thanks for your openness and sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess that brings us maybe all the way back to the beginning, and that's making an impact on the world, you know, and changing the world. Where do you feel that you have that personal commitment and the ability to make that kind of impact? Yeah, sure. I think for me, it's like, I really believe in being of service to others. Like when I'm feeling low or I'm not doing so well, it's like, all I have to do is reach, get my phone and do something for someone else. And every time I've done that, like it always make, it always like works out. Like I always feel like, yes, this is what I've done. And so for me, it's like, I'm always going to be like, I'm always in service to others in different ways. And sometimes just like my friend needs to, like, I just need, a friend needs a few minutes to talk about what they're going through. It doesn't necessarily come that I'm being of service and I'm helping or I'm doing something. It's just like, sometimes it's just like the little thing. Sometimes it just means like, I get to make my fiance, uh, a cup of coffee. And that is also being of service. I get to make a good meal to like my friends and take it over. So I think like, to me, that is, yeah, how I want to make an impact is always being of service. And I, you know, I've, I've dealt with that too. I, I, when I was 17, I was hitchhiking around Southern Mexico and I was in the process of applying for colleges and I was really stuck. Do I want to pursue a uh, a career in politics or in, you know, in policy in some ways, nonprofit work, or do I want to pursue a creative career? I chose a creative career and felt very guilty about that in some ways for a long time, as though that's something that's for me, that being in, you know, being an, an artist or a professional creative is somehow uh, selfish or something like that. I struggled with that in some ways for a long time. And I did, I have formed a nonprofit. And, uh, and so there are other things that I've done, but to, to turn around and say, wait, you know, the way of being of service can be, can be very, very different. And when I look back in my earlier years, it was the sense of, I have to do this and do it quickly. If I haven't accomplished a whole lot by the time I'm 29, by the time I'm 35, whatever, that somehow I'm there for a failure, I'm not doing enough. And that these things show themselves and emerge over time. And one of the big pieces for me has always been a being of service. I mean, even when I made the last documentary, Hardball the Girls of Summer was 
if you watch it, you'll see the stuff that women go through because, or not even women, the stuff that girls go through, little girls, they want to just play a ball game, the stuff that they have to deal with. I was inspired to tell that story. The last feature film that I produced actually just came out uh, on January 26th. It's called Caged and it's a psychological thriller about a uh, African-American man who is thrown in solitary confinement and the, the effects of solitary confinement on his mental state. So that there's this sense of if the stories that I'm going to tell are also going to be of service. And then, of course, playing with this reality that's I had to, for a long time, get to the point to say, if I want to be of service, there can actually also be a lot of egoism wrapped up in that. Like, oh, I want to save the world. And particularly as a white guy, I want to be, you know, the knight in shining armor. And I, and I can I can trace that back to the stories that I heard as a as a young boy growing up was, you know, the the knight that goes and saves everybody. And to actually begin to sort of break that down to say, wow, being of service is complex. It's complex also as a as a white guy who wants to be a savior to say, oh, I want to be of service, but I can't it's not helpful to try and be a savior and, and to kind of play within that. And I, I definitely struggle with that still of my egoism playing a role in, in my service, but at the same time, that doesn't mean don't do it. It just means to bring additional awareness and consciousness to how I do that. And that shows up in how I am of service at home, how I'm of service in helping even Sarah with Ecodonia, how I'm in service to other storytellers that I'm going to support through, you know, through consulting or coaching work and also through the stories that I tell. That's so good. I love the spectrum of definitions of service yeah. that we can say we're of service and yet we can't all interpret it in our own way and be of service that we can, right? Exactly. So yeah. I love that. Well, what a terrific conversation. We have just enjoyed our time together, Sarah and Matthew, the interracial couple. But we've got to know now how to connect with you on all your various platforms and follow your story as it, as it continues to grow. Where can we connect with you? Well, you can always find us at The Interracial Couple. That is our podcast. It is our YouTube channel. So we're on Facebook there as well and on the web, theinteracialcouple.com. And then you know, the Lover's Journal will also redirect you all to that place too. We have a beautiful Instagram account for the Lover's Journal at Journal for Lovers, which we put a lot of love into making sure that that's beautiful so that when people show up, we're definitely putting our, our best self forward. Whatever goes on behind the scenes, you know, with a whole other story. We're not happy and pretty on Instagram. That's, yeah, right. that's right. By golly, Instagram is where it's going to be all shiny. Yeah. Exactly. And, then, uh, but, and then Sarah's work is Ecodunia, E-C-O-D-U-N-I-A, uh, also on social media and on the web. And you'll find me at Matthew C. Temple. Also, MatthewCTemple.com and pretty much that on across most social platforms as well. So we are hard to not find. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, you have to be avoiding us, which yeah, you that's right. Well, you know, I, I doubt after this conversation anybody's gonna say, I don't want to hear from those two again. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, we've enjoyed it so much. And the enjoyment has been mutual. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for and, having us. You know, we might come and crash your party when human beings are no longer lethal weapons. You might find us crashing <laughs> there you go. in there Boise you go. or wherever you may happen to be curious. We're gonna we're gonna have to Yeah, wherever that may be. Well, <laughs> I, we don't know. I went deep in the closet today to find my Petaluma hat. So, uh, <laughs> so, oh, I didn't even notice that. That's yeah, so I, 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 can, I can find you there too. 
Excellent. Yeah, we got an extra cabin on the property. Come by. Oh, oh, fantastic. Well, Kirsten, what about today's conversation? As we've talked about service, I think about the clients that you talk to, especially young leaders coming up. They they need to hear this message of service, don't they? They do. But you know, our young leaders, it's innate in them, right? We've been in our last this couple of episodes, we've been talking about what's trained and has to be relearned and what's innate. And the young leaders they're already equipped. They already understand it. They're the generation that knows that our world has to be different. They're just unwilling to live the way that gen- my generation has lived. So, I mean, we're starting to see that. There've been a couple of young leaders that have been on and we're going, wait, what, did they just know intuitively how to do that, right? I've had to de-strip myself of my entire identity to really embody I've had embody to sign up for expensive courses to do that. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going. So you're right. I mean, and maybe when I say hear the message, maybe it's for the encouragement and the right. reinforcement that, hey, th- this is the right thing. And uh, you can still have a business. You can still have creative pursuits and you know business pursuits and make a living. But you can also do this with a spirit of service. Yeah. And what I want to highlight, which I think is fascinating, because what we've heard today with Sarah and Matthew is this beautiful interweaving of their unique, call it soul essence, right? They each have their own identity, their own way of being. And yet that openness and that open-mindedness and that willingness and that self-awareness enables the growth to interweave and create it. But it's not so Pollyannic like you see on like eHarmony commercials, right? Like find your perfect guy, right? Because we matched you at, you know, a hundred percent. You two are real in the in the application of how it actually shows in the application and how it shows up. What I really want to say is imagine if this were in businesses or in political circles or even government circles, right? Mark, we interviewed Winona that she's working with the cities because they're just broken in you know, urban development that supports the whole. So imagine, the, I feel like there's a book somewhere there for you too. Like how to really do your self journey and then the journey together and still stay open without shutting the eye. I'm kind of, it's, I'm in awe over it. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Wow. That's, that was a really good bringing it all together. Thank you for that. Well, Sarah and Matthew, thank you again for being on our program and listeners definitely come back again next time because we'll continue interviews with leaders from all over the world who are innovating, building, creating something bigger than just themselves. And they may be leading organizations or nonprofits or just leading their families to a higher purpose. And when we find that higher human potential, that's when we know we're on our right path. And so we want to continue these interviews to give you insights and encouragement as you go along your own path to your own IntelliKey, your soul's higher purpose. I'm Mark Stenson for Kirsten Gouldy. This is IntelliKey Leadership Stories, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. On behalf of your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stinson, thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Kirsten, yeah. people want to continue the conversation. You're hosting another call. 
It's soul tea and conversations for people to journey in to get to know themselves better in a peer-to-peer situation. It is a free platform. You can find it on my website, pureintellikey.com. 